This episode is recorded on Jar Jar Wurrung country, and we want to pay our respects to the original creatives of this land and their elders past, present and future. Welcome back to another episode of Country Creatives. Yes, you are here with us, Reese Hendy and myself, Caleb Maxwell. I took the liberty of saying your name instead of you. I appreciate that. That's like proper English grammar there. <laughs> Caleb and I are here <laughs> speaking with you, audience. <laughs> Great. What are we speaking about this episode, Reese? Automation. <laughs> yes, we are. There, it's going to be a short and sharp one, but it's going to be power-packed of things that you can actually implement that are going to help save you some time. Yeah, we've got three things that we thought of that can be automated in your business with minimal effort, I would mm-hmm. say. Kind I, of like I'd three, call it minimal. The three easiest things to automate, are leads and sales, finance, and some of your communications. So th- there's the three categories. Let's jump in to the first one, Caleb. Yeah. Leads and sales. Now, when we're talking about this, there's so many parts of a leads and sales process, but I think what I'm talking about for this particular one is when a client first lands in your inbox or they want to work with you for the first time, it's cold lead. Maybe they've been referred on. It doesn't matter where they've come from, but they've landed on the website. They want to inquire. How can we automate them from a lead into a client? Okay. Okay. Just pause two seconds. Can I digress, Reese? slightly? Course. Why would someone want to automate anything? Oh, that's a good point. Why automate? I know there's a perception that I actually had that if I automate too much, then it's less personal. Yeah. Automation is just so much easier on your life. It is easier because it saves you time. And the way that we I've looked at automating a lot of different processes is that those processes and those steps in my process are not the highest value thing I could be doing. Like I could help my clients more if I didn't have to do these things, but they still got done really well. Yeah, and I think it's fair to say that you want to automate the tasks that are, they're just tasks and they're repeatable tasks. You follow that you've got a process that you need to follow. And I think automation also helps you stick to the process because I know writing a process out and then following it, I love, which is a weird thing about me as a creative slash business person is I love designing processes, (laughs) but I don't like following them. So (laughs) automation is a great way to design it and follow through with it. Yeah, that's a big challenge. All right, back onto the topic. How do you automate a lead coming in and the process of closing them? Is that the question? Yeah, I think so. And I know that we've both got slightly separate versions of this, but we, we have a process nonetheless. Yep. Let's just jump to the Hebron okay. Hebron process. All so right. I jump to the website. I'm going to be the client for this one. Okay, great. I jump on the website. I need a video. I know maybe what I want or why I want it. I've got mm. some vague ideas, but I need to like to start this discussion. And this yep. could be for any creative industry, I think. Yeah, definitely. I want to engage with this creative, yep. in this case, Hebron Films. I jump on, see the website and the content, and I check out your portfolio and all that kind of stuff. I've made the decision. I'm going to inquire. What what happens next? At the very first step, they know exactly what I want them to do from the first page load, my homepage loading above the fold. 
they know exactly what I want them to do because there is one thing that stands out more than anything else, and that is book a discovery call. So yes, they can, if they're not sure if they want to have that chat with me, they can go around and have a look other places and we've designed things so that that gives them confidence in us. But book a discovery call is the button that they would click. What happens from there? They have a video of me and I'm saying... I can't actually remember what I'm saying, but I'm encouraging them to book a discovery call with me via the link below. And I'm positioning myself as the expert and the person that's going to lead them through a process to get a specific outcome. So I'm positioning our service as a strategy-based video production company so that they are Already, without me spending any time talking to them, they're already getting into the space of understanding who we are. Yeah, and what I love about your process in this exact example is you're a video specialist company and you use video to sell the process. So Mm. I think this could be, you could think about this in other ways. If you're an artist, you don't have to use a video. What if you did a custom artwork that had three steps and it was designed in your style and like it could come in a bunch of different formats but for you video makes sense it does so below that video in a very easy to see location is my calendar it's a tool called calendly there are a million of them there's schedule once there's all the sorts it's just a calendar booking tool so it links to my google calendar and it shows the available times that someone could book this type of call with me So they click on Thursday at 10 a.m. and a little pop-up comes up and says, put in your name, your email address, your mobile phone number, and your position at X company, what company. So just some really basic details that you'd expect to put in a form to book a, a time. That's not the end of the process, though. They instantly get sent to a booking confirmation page, but it is a form. Surprise! (laughs) There's another video of me uh, encouraging them to fill out the form. Now, the form is where the power is in this whole process. Uh, There's about 15 questions in that form, and they ask business outcome-based questions about their video project. It asks things like, who's your audience? What do you want to achieve? All sorts of different questions. The questions you would need to ask on the first phone call anyway. So what you're basically doing is, here are the things I'm going to ask you anyway. Please answer them in advance so that I can have a better understanding and we can cut through the chit chat and we can get straight to the crux and not waste each other's time. Yeah. Not that it's a waste of time, but you don't need to be there for that initial answer. You can review the content prior to the call. The way I say it in that video above that form is in the spirit of respecting each other's time. We want to make the most of it. So fill out the form below and I look forward to seeing you on the call. It doesn't end there though because some people don't fill out that form. I just actually had that question because we have a very similar process in this automation journey. But what I do is in order for people to use Calendly, which I also use, which is a game changer, and it also prompts me to remind people that automation isn't always free or necessarily cheap, but it's totally worth it. So like Calendly, there's a subscription fee, but you never have to worry about sending five emails about booking a time in your calendar ever again. You send a link, hey, book a time in my calendar, and it automatically reads your calendar. 
figures out what slots are free based on the conditions that you set it. Maybe you only want to take leads on Mondays and Tuesdays. Well, yeah. you can just set that up yeah. and it fits into your process. So anyway, that's a little bit about Calendly and why it's so valuable. And we also don't have an affiliate link to send you to. God damn. We need to fix this, Reese. I know. <laughs> anyway, continue. Yes. What I do is... I don't give them the link to book a time in my calendar until they've filled out the form. So that's good. My theory is if they don't have enough time to, my my form is quite basic. There's less than 15 questions. There's more like six and they're very easy to answer. Or it's easy to say, I'm not sure. I'd like to talk about this more. And if they don't give me 10 to 20 minutes of their time to fill out the questions, then I don't really – they're a bit of a tie kicker. Yeah, so that's a red flag, isn't it? It eliminates them from my sales funnel, which mm. means I only get more higher qualified leads. Yep, that's good. So, but let's just jump back into yep. your situation. They've fil- they've not filled out your form yes. after they've booked it yep. a session in your calendar. So what happens then? Yes. So the reason it's after it in ours is that uh, oftentimes in our market we find people are in a rush to get multiple quotes – and if they're confronted with a form prior to booking a call, it's a bigger commitment than just committing to a certain time in someone's calendar. So we give them the easy choice first and the hard choice next. But the principle's the same. If they don't give me 15 to 20 minutes of their time to fill out this form, then they're communicating that they're not going to invest any of their time or effort in achieving this outcome that they want. So that's a red flag for me. And the this is automation in action. We have a active inactive campaign. We've set up a an automated process that if somebody doesn't fill out the form, then they are automatically sent an email uh, within, I think it's within 24 hours maybe, of them not filling out the form. They sent an email with a video of me <laughs> saying... Hey, I get it. Hey, are you sick of me yet? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I get it. You, maybe you got busy. We all, that all happens. I give them a second chance, right? I say, this is just a friendly reminder to fill out the form. This is why we need it filled out. And then if they still don't fill out the form before the discovery call, they get another email. And, but this one has another video of me. (laughs) What a surprise. (laughs) But this time I say, hey, I realised that you haven't filled out the form. I do it in a fun way. But I say, look, that's fine. Totally get it. Maybe you're just not ready to make this commitment to follow our process. I forget what the words I use, but I pretty much say I've cancelled your call. I'm not going to call. We're not going to talk. You, Yes, you have booked a time with me, but you haven't done what I've asked you to. And that's a crucial part of our process. And maybe you're just not ready. So if you want to talk to me, feel free to book another time in my calendar when you're going to be able to fill out that form. And then that's it. I just go cold cut off. Yeah, that's amazing because a lot of time spent in business, you don't expect to convert every single client that walks through your door or makes an inquiry. But if you can eliminate... 50% 50% of the tie kickers. The ones that aren't going to go with your service anyway, that's who we're trying to get rid of, is the conversations that are never going to lead to a sale. No matter what you do, you are able to eliminate those through a process and that's what both of us do. Yeah. So I'm not sure how your jobs get entered into a system, but something that I found really valuable for my 
automating these leads and sales aspect is once they fill out the form, it actually automatically logs itself as a new lead into my project management software mm. with all of the answers on it as its own little project under a category, new leads. And so when I get on that phone call, I have a chat and maybe they've not been able to answer a couple of questions because they don't have the terminology or they don't really know how to explain what they're thinking. And that's fine. I expect that to happen. But I can ask the question and I can read in between the lines and I can get some kind of response. And I fill in the form for them for some parts, but I know that they've committed to giving me the best to their ability answers that they've got. Once they've filled that out, once I've had that initial contact, I usually have some kind of action next. It's, oh, not sure, we'll hold off. Or it's, yes, please send me a quote. Or yes, please scope that up with some more detail. I'd like to progress it. And I just hit this little button from new lead and I change it to contacted. And then they move up the sales pipeline. What's your project management software? I can't tell you because they're not an affiliate. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so when we get these affiliate links sorted out, then we'll tell you? Yeah, more or less. No, the one I use is called ClickUp. Oh, my goodness. I've been literally thinking about switching to ClickUp. We have to have Is it because you, when you Google what's an alternative to Basecamp or what's an, they've got a really good content (laughs) marketing strategy. They're actually geniuses and they sold me and my team were like, really, do you need to change? And unfortunately the answer was no, (laughs) but I wanted to change because ClickUp look amazing. Yeah, it's really good. I probably use it to one tenth of its capability if if that, nowhere near. Yeah, anyway, sidetrack. Yeah, so you can, I move them up through my series of categories as they progress through the process. But now we're leaving sales. Sorry, I'll just give you a quick rundown of the categories I've got that I've already pre-decided these categories. And it's not full automation, Mm. but it's laying out my process in a way that's easy to follow. So there's new lead. Once I've had that call and I've got the info, they go into contacted. From contacted, I want to push them up into a proposal or quote has been sent. So then they sit in an area that's awaiting approval of the quote. And then from there, they go into more of a production and execution couple of steps and including your deposit invoice due, deposit paid, proceed, final invoice due, and wrapping up with sharing the project online or adding to my website. There's a lot of projects in there that have not proceeded past add to the website stage because I just getting busy with the first half of the process. <laughs> gotcha. No, um, that's great. That's a really cool process. So um, that's, I think we've covered off on that. Yeah. Uh, look, there's a little bit of time and effort involved in setting this stuff up, but yeah. it saves a lot of time in the long run. All right. A couple of helpful tips on that. We use Tripetto for our form software. It, we do that because it only gives the person one question at a time. It doesn't give them the full form all at once. So they don't know how many questions are coming at them. So it gives them the opportunity to commit to filling out the form without seeing how big the commitment is. Yeah, that's A little cool. sneaky, but it actually helps everybody involved. We also use Zapier to connect Tripetto and ActiveCampaign for our email automation. So Zapier is very helpful when it comes to automating things and making apps talk to each other and (laughs) other paid servers. You'll be like adding all this up going, man, this is going to cost me arm and a leg. It does cost a little bit and it also takes a bit of research and you also, I think if you're going to go on an automation journey, you need to go 
paper and pen first or a whiteboard or post-it notes, whatever your brainstorming strategy is to plan this out, you need to figure out what are the repeatable steps? Where is every spot that I can take my hands off? And the answer is probably all of it. Mm. You just need to know how to do it. And the highest value ones first, right? So don't bother automating a process that doesn't take any time at all or effort. (laughs) That's not a high value thing to automate. When you're prioritizing what you automate first and doing that brainstorm of all of the processes, you want to find the thing that you do the same way every time, but it takes you a fair bit of time because that'll save you the most amount of time. And that's what you're investing in. You are investing. The reason you're automating something is so that you get more time to divert elsewhere to higher value things. Yeah, especially where the human interaction is of higher value. Don't automate that part of it. You've done well in adding that personal touch to your automation, which I really, I'm already thinking like, oh, how could I make my automation a bit more personable? Yeah. So you don't feel like you're being run through the process. Yeah. You feel like there's a touch. Yeah, video is good at that. (laughs) So the last point on that is that similarly to you, the form data comes to two places. We use Slack as a team to communicate. Slack's great, but it automatically comes into Slack, thanks to Zapier, I think. And it also pops into our project management software, which is Asana, and into our inquiries bucket. And then we build it out from there. Cool. All right. So that's leads and sales and it leads into number two, which is finance. And you've automated your finance much more than I have. And we're maybe blurring the line a little bit on setting up a good process that almost feels like automation. (laughs) Um, Some of these things can be automated more than what I've done, but I feel like having a really clear process almost feels like automation. It makes it, there's a lot less thinking and you just follow the steps and get it done. Yeah. A systemization is different to automation, but it's still a, a time saving. Yeah. And I think maybe we're talking about automation in the way of reducing manual steps Yep, and creating problems through human error. So how do you do this finance? I was talking to you earlier about what to include on this list. And, I, and we came up with finance because paying for finance software was the first thing that I did that felt like I turned my hobby into a business. Yeah. And it felt like a huge financial commitment to pay $12 a month for this <laughs> software, which I look back and like, what? that is nothing. In- <laughs> $12 a month, man. If your hourly rate is a pittance and it's $12 an hour and it <laughs> saves you one hour in an entire month, you've made it back. Exactly. But I want to ask you, what did you do before? Like what were you changing from before you went into this software? How did you do your finance? Yeah, it started off having a template in InDesign as a designer, manually writing in the numbers, sending it off, and at the end of the year... For an invoice. For an invoice, and then manually calculating the sum of the parts to create the total. (laughs) Oh, Um, boy. And it probably wasn't registered for GST then, so there was no need to worry about 10% or whatever. And then there was I found an online free invoice generator down the track that looked a little less special, but you punch in the numbers, it adds it up, and it spits it out. But yep. then you've got a lot more manual filing and if mm, at the yeah. end of the year you've got to add everything up manually and put Oof. it in a spreadsheet and add all these steps. So having a finance system, and maybe we're preaching to the choir, maybe, maybe you're listening 
and everyone's already got one and good for you. But if you don't have a finance system, you know, what are the benefits, Caleb, do you think? Yeah, we just need to run through those steps and it's making my brain hurt. And the issue that a lot of people, especially creatives have or entrepreneurs early in their business is they think, oh man, I know how to do this. And it only takes me 10 minutes, only takes me 20 minutes. That's, yes, that is 20 minutes, but that's 20 minutes every single time you're doing that process. And you add that up and you will be surprised. I'm in a coaching group and I get a lot of pushback about outsourcing finance because a lot of the guys in there, they're like, no, I can do this. Like it's within my capability. Why wouldn't I do it if I could? And it's not until they offload it that they realize, whoa, man, this has freed me up so much to actually get into a good flow and to get into some deep work without being distracted by this, yes, easy task. But now that you don't have to do it, you're able to be far more effective at what you should be doing. Yeah, that's totally true. And jumping into some of the nuts and bolts of having a finance system that I find really handy, uh, developing quotes. Mm -hmm. So once you create a quote in there, you can very easily just hit convert to invoice. So the quote can sit in there and it gets accepted or it sits there and never gets accepted, whatever. You can see what number of quotes you have sitting in that void of unaccepted. And if you've got $200,000 worth of quotes sitting there, but you haven't invoiced any, then you're like, oh shit, I got to convert some of these quotes. It's sort of like a metric you can look at and see where in the funnel your money is held up. And another thing is that all these finance software tools will give your clients the opportunity to accept their quote without talking to you. And that is huge. Like a lot of people, our proposal software achieves this for us. They can sign the proposal without coming back to us and saying, yes, I accept it. But it's a much easier step. If they're, if you're, they're looking at a quote and there's a button on that, on that quote that they can just click and say, accept, then that is a easier step that is much more likely to be taken sooner and quicker than, all right, yeah, this looks good. I'll have to get back to Reese about accepting it. I'll get back to that maybe tomorrow or the next day. But if they're looking at it and they've made the decision then, you need to give them the opportunity to actually make the commitment then. So that's another really high benefit in the quoting stage of using a a finance system. Yeah, definitely. And if you're taking deposit payments or progress payments, then this is an absolute life hack is you just hit accept quote, convert to invoice, and you can convert it to 50% of the total, 30% of the total. You can select specific items that you want to invoice. Maybe some come before others. And then it keeps track of what's been billed, what's owing, what's been billed but unpaid, what is sitting there unbilled and you can just get a snapshot of your finance. So you take it to another level of automation. So once a quote has been accepted and it turns into an invoice, what happens for you? Well, a couple of things, just one step before that, we use Xero and Stripe. Uh, Xero for accounting, Stripe for accepting payments. We've connected those two so that someone can set up auto pay or whatever, but in a proposal, once they accept it, they actually have the opportunity to pay at the same time, pay 50%. Admittedly, we don't get a lot of people doing that, but if we were in a different industry where maybe a lower price point or maybe we're dealing with individuals rather than businesses, that would be just an absolute no-brainer. To give the person the opportunity to pay for it as soon as they've made the decision is a must. All right, 
moving forward into, say, we've got a proposal and it has been marked as accepted. It's been signed. So in our proposal software, Proposify, we use, we have set up an automated email that once both parties have signed the proposal, this email gets sent to the person that's booked, signed the proposal, and it's a little thank you for signing. These are the next steps. So it lays out the next steps. But at the same time, another email is sent to our finance team, so our bookkeeper, and they raise the invoice. And based on the details that I've outlined in the proposal. So very rarely do they have to come back to me about anything. And I don't touch the process at all. Like once a client signs the proposal, an email is automatically sent to the bookkeeper that raises the invoice and sends it back to the client. It sounds pretty awesome to just have that taken care of. And you're like, okay, they said yes. Your mind goes to let's run the project. Let's do not this thing. Let's get paid before no. we start. Someone <laughs> else is dealing with that. Yeah, someone else is dealing with that. And we do make sure that we get paid before we start and things like that. But I don't have to manage that process. Mm. And that's the big win. And again, it comes at a cost, but it allows you to work in the business and on the business without getting into the financial blah, 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 because we're not accountants and we didn't study no, accounting and no. we obviously have no intention of being accountants. No, it's one of the biggest wins. If you're working in a video business, <laughs> the biggest two wins for me were outsource editing, so get an editor on board, and outsource finance get a bookkeeper on board. Those two things will just free you up instantly, immensely, and they're an investment, not a cost. They will give you time, they will give you freedom that you need in order to do your thing better. Yeah, 100%. Let's move on from finance. Let's do it. Now, number three, I don't know if we've automated this as such, but we're talking Ooh, about... There's some, there's some system hacks and things. Creating yeah. some templates to be yep. able to save time. So you were saying, Caleb, that you've created a series of email templates that mm. pretty much cover off the basics yep. of most types of emails you'd need to send. Can you give me yep. an example? Definitely. So we've systemized nearly every process in our product delivery We've made systems for every step of the video production process. And a lot of those steps involve communicating with the client. You need to send them a revision. You need to tell them this thing's done. I need to send a proposal. There's all sorts of communication steps that I would, in the past, would have just manually wrote an email. And I was writing the same kind of emails every single time. So what we did was we captured all of the basic information that we wrote in every email, for example, in the first edit revision. Our editors, they, instead of writing an email uh, saying, here's your first edit revision, we have made a template. The tool is called TextBlaze, and it chops down the time taken to write emails by an immense amount. So what you do is you just type in a little shortcut and it'll paste out like you're in Gmail for us. You, I literally just type this little forward slash and the shortcut that I've made and it pastes it automatically, the template into my email. And then I can set different parameters to for options that I can change or little custom bits that I can put in there. But the heavy lifting's done for me. 
and for the editors, there's a long list of details that we want to put in there, like what expectations on the process from here, how to use our video review tool. All those type of things are automatically in the email. And so literally it's cut down the time taken in each of those steps of the process and it's made it more professional and smooth. Yeah, that is fantastic. That's something I've always thought about. So emails, there's always something different about each client. There's something, and so that's a barrier for me to go to that level, but I wish I'd already put the time and effort into that. Yeah, and people can tell a lot of the time that, especially if they've worked with us before, that an email is automated but they don't care. They're not paying us to write them pretty emails. They're paying us to get an outcome and it impresses them. They go, oh man, I can tell that this is an automated email, but it means that they know what the process is and it Mm. means that they know what I'm thinking about. And I'm not here to build a relationship, like a friendship with this person. I need to feel like they understand me and that they're leading me through a process confidently. And that's what an email template does. And you can still, we still have little boxes like in my proposal emails are are templatized, but I just have a unique intro line. Templatized, is that a word? Mate, of course it's a word. Look up the, look up, what's that game? Boulder Dash? (laughs) No, is it a real word? No, no, Scrabble. That's definitely a Scrabble approved word. word. Templatized, I like it. I'm going to start using that, but I just thought I'd check. Well, you better look it up first. I'd check you on that. Yeah, okay. I'm going to start using it regardless. (laughs) That's great. But yeah, no, literally, that was something I was in exactly the same position. I don't want to use an email template. They're stale and I'm a real person and I want, we're in a creative process. People want to deal with creatives. All of that is just misconceptions and things that are holding you back from being more effective. Yeah, definitely. And something that I've started playing with a little bit more is AI. Or tell me about it, Reese. So uh, there's a whole episode in this. There is. In itself, which we need to do a bit more research. It's in the works. Yeah, we we preview. Heads up, there's going to be an AI episode for creatives, but back to your point, how are you using AI? It's a fantastic way to punch in some basic information and you give it the brief, write me an email to a very important client at this stage of the process and let them know these three key factors. And the thing that I really like about it is I might finesse an email. I don't want to send an email with spelling mistakes and really bad grammar because it's a reflection on Hmm. the time you're putting into it or just your cognitive ability or, (laughs) you know, I'm not the best speller. I've just known for a very long time. Spelling (laughs) is not my forte. So anything I can do to remove that as an issue and make me sound more professional, it's a great tool. So you can just punch in your information and you obviously proofread it, but you <laughs> can punch in the raw data yeah. and it, it can produce something in a, the style that you've asked it, make this friendly and relatable or make this very professional or this is a fairly serious matter and you can guide it on the tone. And yeah. there's a lot more to be discovered in that space and for people to feel comfortable using it. But that's something that I've begun using more and more to speed up my communications and make them sound really professional. I love that. One example you gave off air was really interesting. It related back to an example I could see I could use it for is hiring a new team member. You get lots of submissions and applications for the job description. I put out an expression of interest for a job, an editing position in 2022. 
22 or 21. And I got 400 applicants. That's a lot of applicants. And I've got a really good process to, to sort through them. But I still, I didn't have a good process to reply email <laughs> to them. And it took, I had to write the kind of how I'm going to respond and then copy and paste it into all the emails. What I could have done was gone to chat GPT wasn't available then. So that's my mm. off the hook situation <laughs> there. But in all future situations like this, I could ask chat GPT, write me an acceptance or a, an email that progresses this person to the next stage of our hiring process, which is blah, 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 and write an email that lets them know they didn't get the job in a friendly and positive way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And something like that, you know, you're dealing with people's emotions and their, yeah. you're in their psyche. You want to let people down easily and yeah. thank them for applying. And, yeah, all um, those type of things. And so you can very easily ask the AI to do that part of it. Yep. And we'll get we'll jump into that specific topic at another date about how icky that is or mm. if it's good or bad, but we're talking on this episode about making time back. Yep. Getting time back onto our calendar to do the job that we love. So that's another tool that you can use to speed up a process, especially if you're not a strong writer. Yep. Communications winner. That was our quick fire episode on automation. Pretty information heavy. We've mentioned a lot of links and different bits. If there's any particular part of that process you're interested in hearing more about, or maybe you want some specific advice on a particular tool mm. we've mentioned, we'd love to hear from you we on would. social media or get in touch with us through the website. Instagram would be a great way to hear from you. We're on there, aren't we, Reese? Yeah, we certainly are. Hit us directly and we'll mention your name on the next episode. Yeah, if we you will. ask us a question about about a specific thing from this automation episode, yep. we will mention you on a future episode. Yep. You could be country creatives famous. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. Bye. Here's hoping that's given you some useful hints. You have been listening to Country Creatives with Caleb Maxwell and Reese Hendy. My name's Amy and I produce the show with support from the Emporium Creative Hub. You can visit the show notes at emporiumcreativehub.com.au slash podcast. A new episode will be dropping in the next fortnight. And until then, stay healthy, stay creative, and we'll see you soon.